Welcome to My Favorite Theorem, a math podcast where there's no quiz at the end. I, I'm coming up with a new tagline for it. Um, Good. Just thought I'd throw that in. Um, yeah, so I'm one of your hosts, Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math and science writer from Salt Lake City, or in Salt Lake City, Utah, not originally from here. Um, and here's your other host. Hi, I'm Kevin Knutson, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida in Gainesville, but not from Gainesville. This is, this is part of being a, a mathematician, right? No one lives where they're from. Yeah, right? well, and yeah, I guess probably a lot of professions can say this too. And, yeah, um, I know. It's also sort of a generational yeah. thing, right? I think people used to just tend to, you know, live where they grew up, but now not so much. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. I like it here. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, it's great here right now. It's spring, and I, mm -hmm. I've been doing a ton of gardening, which always seems like such a chore, and then I'm out smelling the dirt and looking right. at earthworms and stuff, and it's it's very nice. I'm, so. I'm bird-watching like crazy these days. Yesterday, we went out, and we saw the, the bobolinks were uh, migrating through. They're not native here. They just they come through for like a week, and then uh, they're the, gone. The what? Bobolinks, B-O-B-O-L-I-N-K. They They... Kind of oh. fool you. They look a little bit like an Oriole, but the orange is on the wrong side. It's on the back of the neck instead of underneath. Okay, I'll and have then, to look up a picture of that. And, later. and then, the, then this morning, for the first time ever, we had a rose-breasted grosbeak at our feeder. Never seen one before, and they're not native around here. They just they migrate through. So this is very nice. This is what so I'm yes. doing in, in my middle in my late middle age. This is what I do. I just took up bird watching. You know. So. Yeah. Well, I can see the appeal. Yeah, um, it's great. Yes. But um, yeah, we are excited today to be talking with Adriana Salerno. Um, do you want to introduce yourself, Adriana? Hi, yeah, I'm Adriana Salerno. I am an associate professor of math at Bates College in Maine, and I am also not from Maine. I live in <laughs> Maine. I'm originally from Caracas, Venezuela, so quite a ways away. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, you don't choose where you live, but maybe you get to choose where you work. So. Right. Yeah. And you're you're not only um, a professor there, but you're also the department chair right now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, speaking of, before we, we started recording here, I, I spent my afternoon writing annual faculty evaluations. I'm, I'm in my, oh, number, I'm in my first year as chair. I have 58 of them to write. Oh, so. I don't have to do those, which I'm very happy about. But oh, we are hiring a, uh, a staff position, and I'm in mm. charge of that. And mm -hmm. that's that's been a lot. <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. And we actually met because um, both of us have done this mass media fellowship for uh, people interested in math or math or science and writing. And so you've done a lot of writing for, um, you know, not for mathematicians as well uh, in throughout your career path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I did the mass media fellowship in 2007. And and since then, I've been trying to write more and more about mathematics for a general audience. Um, these days, I mostly spend time writing for blogs for the AMS, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. editing and writing for uh, inclusion exclusion. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. so, but I, you know, I wish I had more time to write than I do. Um, it's one of those things that I really like to do, and I don't think I do enough of, but, but these opportunities are great because I get to sort of use those, uh, the, or, or, or scratch that itch, I guess, by talking mm -hmm. to you all. <laughs> yes. 
Well, so speaking of, uh, we assume you have a favorite theorem that you want to tell us about. What is it? Well, so um, it's always hard to decide, right? But I, I guess um, I was inspired by a conversation I had with Evelyn at the joint math meetings. And so I've decided my favorite theorem is uh, Cantor's diagonalization argument that um, the real numbers do not have the same cardinality as the natural numbers. Mm, this is a good one. Yes, and I'm so excited about this. Ever since we talked at the joint meetings, I've been very excited good, about good. I'm getting glad. you to talk about this because really, this is such a great theorem. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about it today and I'm like, how am I going to explain this? But that that I have chosen that and I'm sticking with it. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a uh, well, one of the, the coolest things about it is sort of, it's this first, um, experience that you have as a math student, at least it was for me, where you realize that there are different sizes of infinity. Mm-hmm. And so, so an, another way of saying that is that this, this theorem shows without a doubt, I believe, although some students still doubt me after we go. <laughs> um, it shows that you can have different sizes of infinity. And so um, and so the, the first step even is to say, like, how do you decide if two things have the same size of infinity, right? And so, so it's, a, it's a very, very lovely sort of um, succession of ideas. And so the first thing is, how do you decide that two things are the same size? Well, if they're finite, you count them and you see that you have the same number of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, even when things are finite and say you're a little kid and you don't know how to count, another way of saying there's the same number of things is if you can match them up in pairs, right? So, you know, if you want to say I like, have the same number of crayons as I have, apples, you can match crayon to an apple and see that you don't have anything left over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so it's a very natural idea. And so when you think about infinite sets, or not even infinite sets, but like you can think of, of this idea of size by saying two things are the same size, if I can match every element in one set to every element in another set, um, just one by one, right? And so, so every... Um, I, I really like, uh, so I'm borrowing from Kelsey Houston Edwards, uh, PBS, uh, show, but what I really like that she said that, you know, you have two sets and every element has a buddy, right? Mm-hmm. And so then yeah. I love that, that language. And so I'm borrowing her from, from her, but, um, but then, then, and that, that works for finite sets, but you can extend it to an infinite set, right? Like you can mm-hmm. say, for example, that two infinite sets are the same size if I can find a matching between every element in the first set and every element in the second set. It's very hard to picture in your head, I think, but Mm -hmm. we're gonna try to do this. So for example, like you could say that the natural numbers, the counting numbers, so one, two, three, four, et cetera, uh, have the same size as the even numbers Mm -hmm. because you can make a matching where you say match the number one with the number two on the other side and the number two with the number four on the other side. And you have like all, all the counting numbers and for every counting number, you have two times that number mm-hmm. as the, as the even buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think this is, it, it even, it's a, a simple example that you started with, but it even hints on the weirdness of infinity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got this matching, but there, 
you know, the even numbers are also a subset of the natural numbers. And you're like, oh, things are going to get a little weird here. Right. So clearly there aren't as many even numbers. Right? <laughs> this, is yeah. where, this is where you fight with your students all the time. That's exactly. So when you're teaching this, the first thing you do is talk about things that have the same cardinality. And then everybody like it, it can take a while until, you know, like it's just um, infinity is so weird that you can actually um, do these matchings. And so Hilbert's infinite hotel is a really great way of mm -hmm. like doing this sort of more conceptually. So you have infinitely many rooms. And so, for example, so suppose that new rooms numbered from one, two, three to infinity, I mean, to, and so on, right? right. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful because infinity is not a number, mm -hmm. yeah. but um, you have to be careful with that. But say that all the rooms are occupied. And so then, you know, uh, say someone shows up in the middle of the night and they say, I need a room. And so what you do, if you're the hotel manager, is you tell everyone to move one room over. And so everyone moves one room over and you put this person in, in room number one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's another way of seeing that. So the, the, the one to one pairing or the matching here is every person has a room. Right. And so the room, the number of rooms and the number of people are the same or the word is cardinality because you don't want to say number because you can't count that. Right. And yeah. so you, you say cardinality instead. And you, so so but it's really weird. Right. Because like the first time you think about this, you say, well, you know, there's infinity and there's infinity plus one. That's like the kind okay. of thing that you would say as a kid. Right. <laughs> and so and it's it's and they're the same. You know, when you have like the natural numbers and the natural numbers and one extra thing or like with zero, for example, right. unless you're in the camp that says zero is a natural number. But we're uh, we're not uh, going to get into okay. that discussion right now. I, I'm camp zero is a natural number, but OK. OK, yeah, that, I, I feel like I have like I I know like maybe half people who say zero is a natural number and the other half say it's not. So and I, I don't think anyone has good arguments other than ah, it must be true. So um, and so then the cool thing is like once you start doing that, then you start seeing, for example, and these are these are kind of tricky uh, uh, examples. It, it, it can get tricky. Like you can say that the integers like the positive no, a whole numbers, negative whole numbers and zero that also has the same cardinality as the natural numbers because um, you can just start with zero. In, basically, when you wanna say that something has the same cardinality as the natural numbers, what you're really trying to do, so you're trying to find a buddy, so you're trying to pair someone with one or someone with two or someone with three, but really what you can do is just list them in order, right? Like you can have like the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one, and you know that that's a good matching, right? Like it's like the hotel, so you, you can put everyone in a room and then you know they're the same number. Everyone has a room, right? And mm -hmm. so then, and so with the integers, for example, the whole number is positive, negative, and zero, then you can say, okay, put zero first, then one, then negative one, then two, then negative two, then three, then negative three, and then they're the same number, they're the same size, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and so once you start thinking about this, I, I, I mean, I remember this like pretty clearly from, from college, like when, you start thinking about this, then you're like, well, obviously, because infinity is infinity, mm -hmm. right? That's that's the next step. So the first step is like, well, no, infinity plus one and infinity are different. But then you get convinced that there is a way of matching things that where, where you can get things that seem pretty different or a subset of a set and they have the same cardinality, right? right. 
And mm-hmm. so then, and then you go the other direction, which is this, well, of course, everything, anything infinite is going to be the same size as anything else that's infinite, mm-hmm. right? And so then um, it turns out that even the rationals are the same size as the natural numbers, and that's way more complicated than uh, we have time for. Mm-hmm. But if you add real numbers, meaning irrationals as well, then you have a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. You do indeed. It's mind blowing, right? And so, so if you just think about the real numbers between zero and one, to just get it, go real simple, I mean, simple, <laughs> small, <laughs> relatively. So you're just looking at decimal expansions. And so if, if those numbers had the same cardinality as the natural numbers, then you should be able to have a first one and a second one and a third one and a fourth one, right? Or, you know, you compare one number with the number one, one number with the number two, et cetera. And that list should be complete. And like in the words of Kelsey Houston Edwards, everyone should have a buddy, right? And so then here's the cool thing is that this is, this is a proof that these two sizes of infinity are not the same. And it's a proof by contradiction, which is again, your favorite proof when you are learning how to prove things yep. like I mean, when I was learning uh, proofs then I wanted to do everything by contradiction but then so so <laughs> what proving something by contradiction means you want to uh, assume well what if what if we can list all the all the real numbers in the, the, as a first one a second one a third one etc so Cantor's like unique like amazing insight was that you can always find a number that was not on that list. Every time you make this list, a first one, a second one, a third one, there is some missing element. And if you line up all your decimals, and so you have like the first number in decimals, and so you have like, you know, uh, 0.12345 or something like that. And then, um, and then you have uh, the next one, and the next one. <laughs> and like, I mean, this is really hard to do, yeah. um, but we're we're, we're going to do it. And so, so you you sort of line them up, and so you have infinite decimals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have point a whole bunch of decimals, point a whole bunch of decimals, and so you can make a missing number by taking that first number in the first decimal place and just changing that number. Yeah. So if it was a one, you write down a two. And so you know, because we know how to compare decimals, again, since we're little kids, that what you need to compare is a decimal place by decimal place. So these these are different because they're different in this one spot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to the second number and the second decimal point and then you say, well, whatever number I see there, I'm going to make the second decimal point of my new number different. So if you had a, a three, you change it to a four, whatever it is, as long as it's not the original number. Mm-hmm. And so you can go that, and, and, and this is why it's called the diagonalization argument or the diagonal argument, is because you have lined all those numbers up and you can go through the diagonal and for each one of those decimal points, you just, you, you, at each decimal place, you just change the value. And what you're gonna get is a number, another real number, infinitely many decimals. And it's going to be different from every number on your list 
just by virtue of how you made it. Mm-hmm. And so then that what that shows is, is that the answer to the what if is you can't, right? Mm-hmm. Like the what yeah. if is if you have a list of all real numbers, it's not complete. So there is never going to be a way that you can make that list complete. And this is the part where every time I tell my students, at some point they're like, wait, there are different sizes of infinity. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and that's sort of lovely because it's just this, this mind blowing moment where you're like, you've convinced yourself, by the way, that you were, that infinity is infinity. And then you realize that there's something something bigger than the cardinality of the natural numbers. And, uh, and then it's really fun when you tell them, well, is there something in between? Cause then they're, <laughs> of course there must be. And then you're like, wait, no one uh, knows. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that. I just love that argument and I love mm-hmm. how simple it is. And at the same time, like it's, it's simple, but it's very, very deep. Right. Like you really have to understand how these numbers match up with each other. You really and and it requires like a big leap of imagination to just Mm -hmm. think of doing this and realizing that you could make a number that was not on this infinite list by just doing that simple trick. Right. And so I I just think it's 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 a really, really beautiful theorem and um and then i also have some uh, like really personal uh, connections to this theorem mm-hmm. um but but it's one of my favorite things to teach and and i'm looking forward i'm going to be teaching it this term i'm really looking forward to to seeing how that how that lands sometimes it lands really well sometimes people are like eh, you're just making stuff up you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah well then you can really you can really blow their minds then when you show them the canter set right yeah, 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 and say, well, look, I mean, here's this subset of the of the the reels that has the same cardinality, but it's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 This is. I remember then when I first saw this argument, really carefully talking myself through, like, okay, but what if I just added that number we just made to the end of the list? Like, why wouldn't that work? And like trying to, to go through, like, why can't I, oh, and then there must be other numbers that don't fit on the list either. It's not, it's not like we, we got within one of being the right cardinality and <laughs> for these infinite numbers. So yeah, there's, it's a, a really cool idea, but you said you had some, you know, personal connections to this. So do you want to talk more about those? Sure, sure. So, so there's, there's, um, when, I, I'm from Venezuela, and I went to college there, and um, I mean, I, I liked college. It was fine. I knew, uh, well, one thing that you do have to decide when you're a, a student in high school is you don't, um, you don't really apply to a college. You apply to a major within a college, mm-hmm. and so then I knew I needed, I, I wanted to do math, um, and I signed up for math at a specific university, right? And so then, um, but the first year was very similar to, to what you would do in the States, which is a sort of this general year where everybody's taking calculus or everybody's taking, you have some subset of things that everybody takes. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then your second year, you start really going into the math major. And so, um, and so this was my first real analysis class. This was my first sort of, uh, like serious proofy 
class in 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 my university, and um and then and we learned Cantor's agonization argument, which was pretty early. Yeah, and I loved this argument. I felt so like my again the mind blown. You know, I was like, this is why I wanted to do math. You know, I was just so excited. And I knew I understood everything. And so I took <laughs> the exam and I got a horrible grade. And in particular, I got zero points on the, like, prove that the reals and the natural numbers don't have the same cardinality. Hmm. And so I went to the professor and I, I thought, like, I saw my exam and I was, like, really confused. And I went to the professor and I said, I don't, I really don't understand what's wrong with this problem. Um, could you help me understand? Because uh, I, I thought I understood this. And then, you know, that's a typical thing. Like, I probably said it in a more obnoxious way than I'm remembering right now. But, <laughs> you know, like, I felt like I was being pretty reasonable. I was not the kind of kid that would go up to my professor too often to, to ask for points. I really was like, I don't know what I did wrong. Right. And, mm-hmm. and especially because I felt like I really got it, right? And so then yeah. he just said, he just looked at me and said, if you don't understand what's wrong with this problem, you should not be a math major. Oh. And that was it. That was the end of that conversation. <laughs> and I was like, well, I still don't know what's wrong with this problem. <laughs> I just told me I need to do something else. Just like go do something else at a different school, right? And I mean, I, I don't know that that was particularly sexist, but I do know that I was the only woman in that class. And I know that I felt it a lot like I don't I think he probably would have said that I really do think that he in particular would have said that to any student mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't think it was just me being female that affected that at all but I do think if I had been less like stubborn about my my math identity I might have taken up had taken him up on that I would just like but I was just like no I'm, I'm gonna show you and eventually I got an A in his class like mm-hmm. he taught real analysis every semester so I had mm-hmm. to take class with him every time and at some point I cracked his his code but um (laughs) it was and he at some point respected me and and thought I deserved to be there but he was just very old-fashioned you know like I don't think it's even sexism it's just very very like this is how we do things and and then I went eventually I did talk to someone I think it was a, a teaching assistant and I was like I don't know what's wrong with this problem and he looked at it and he said well Here's the problem is that when you were listing, so you, you needed to list all these generic numbers in de- their decimal expansion. And I did, okay, the first number is point A1, A2, A3, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The second number is point B1, B2, B3, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The third one is point C1, C2, C3, et cetera, dot, 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 right? And he said, you have listed 26 numbers. And that's not an inf- that's not going to be an infinite list, right? Mm. So he's like, he's like, oh, and and I was just like, that's okay. cheap. But I got the idea, right? Like yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, true. Like he's like, but the way you wrote it is incorrect, and I'm like, sure. Uh, but sort of. I've written that same thing on a chalkboard. Uh, I know I yeah, have. and like I think that you know, but that that, that shows you a little bit like. You know, from there, like you, fine. You can be more careful. You can be more precise. But 
from there to you shouldn't be a math major. That yeah, was right, yeah, right. pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and and I'm like, I knew the mechanics. I knew what was supposed to be happening. I knew how to make the missing number, right? Like you need, mm-hmm. just need to, so A1, you change it to some other number. B2, you change it to some other number. C3, you change it to some other number. And so like, um, but I just thought, I mean, that was a moment where I was just like literally told I should not be in math because I made a silly mistake. And it was a moment where I realized that I mean, now looking back, I realized my math identity was pretty strong because I just said, well, I'll ask someone else to see what was wrong <laughs> because it's clear what he thinks. And my and sort of the stubbornness of like, well, I'll show him that I do deserve to be here, right? But I think of all the students who might have taken classes with him who would have said that and then been like, yeah, maybe I need to do something else. I mean, it just makes me really sad to hear, especially now that I'm a professor, and teaching these kinds of things where I'm like, just makes me sad to see like what, what, which people were just like scared away by someone like that, you know? Yeah. So that that was a big moment for me. Yeah. Quite a disproportionate response to, to what's basically a bookkeeping difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we we like to get our mathematicians to pair their theorems with something on this show. And what have you chosen as your pairing for Cantor's diagonalization argument? Well, now that you suggested like music and other things, I, I'm maybe changing my mind. But I was, you can pair more you know, than one thing. Yeah, so sure. I yeah. I was trying to find something that was just like you know, I, I, I need to sort of express the sort of like mm. mind blowing <laughs> nature of this. Right. And so I was like a tequila shot, you know, <laughs> something like really just strong and like, whoa, what just happened? Right? <laughs> so that was one thing that I thought about. Yeah. And then um, I don't know, like like and then and then just like mind blowing experience, like like when I saw the Himalayas from an airplane or when I, uh, you know, like there are some moments where you're just like, I can't believe this exists, right? Yeah. I can't believe that this is a thing that I get to experience. So, so I guess like, you know, there's, there's been, most of these have been with, with traveling where you just see something that you're just like, I can't believe that I get to experience this. And so, so I think that that like, Cantor's diagonalization argument. It's like something like that. It's like seeing this amazing like landscape where you're just like, how does this even exist? Yeah. Uh, I like that. I mean, I've had that experience looking out of airplane windows too. Mm-hmm. I One time we were just flying by the, the coast of Greenland um, and these fjords there. And like, of course, an airplane window is tiny and the, the, you know, it's not exactly high definition, uh, picture quality out of the, the thick plastic there, but it just took my breath away. Yeah. 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 I like that. And we can even invite our listeners to think of their own like mind blowing, uh, you know, favorite experiences that they've, they've had hopefully, uh, legal experiences in their jurisdiction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, oh wait, it's not 420 anymore. Oh well. No. Oh, well. <laughs> we just missed it. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. So um, we also like to invite our guests to uh, plug anything they want to plug. So you, you write for the AMS, the Inclusion Exclusion. Is there other places where we might find your mathematical writing for the general public? Well, that's my main plug and outlet oh. right now. But I, yeah. um, I do write for uh, the MAA Focus magazine mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, uh, and, and sometimes the AWM newsletter. Mm -hmm. uh, so so you, you might find some of my writing there. Um, and the blog, I mean, again, now that I'm chair and doing a lot of other things, I'm not writing as much, but um, yes. I definitely like to. I've gotten really into, maybe this is a weird plug, but I've gotten really into storytelling. Oh and yeah, you've been so, on um, Story Collider? Yeah, I was on one Story Collider. I've done some of the local stuff, but some you can find me on the internet telling stories about being a mathematician. Mm -hmm. Some of them uh, about, you know, some some pretty uh, fantastic experiences and some not so great experiences. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and we'll, we'll link to your Twitter and that can help people find you too. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me and listening to me ramble about infinity. <laughs> oh, I just love this theorem oh, so much. Yeah, we can talk about infinity all day. Yeah. Thanks, Andretta. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lee. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at Nivik that's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.